Awesome. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, uh, for all your hard work in leading us uh, this morning. You know, there are lots of traditions that have uh, been developed around Easter. Uh, The most famous and known is probably the tradition of the Easter egg. Uh, Hundreds of years ago, the Easter egg became a symbol of the resurrection. Uh, The empty shell was a metaphor uh, for the empty tomb of Jesus. In the medieval period, eating eggs was uh, not allowed during Lent because eggs were potential meat, which is funnier than you're laughing right now. (laughs) But on Easter Sunday, when when the fast was over, eggs were a part of the festivities and celebration, especially for the poor folks who could not afford to eat or buy meat. Eggs were often given on Good Friday to churches as an offering. And in the year 1240, King Edward I purchased 450 eggs and colored them and gave them to his family as gifts, which some believe is the beginning of the practice of dying Easter eggs. Various superstitions then began to develop, as they often do in religious circles. Some believed that if an egg was laid on Good Friday, it would turn into diamonds if you kept it for a hundred years. should do that. Some thought eggs cooked on Good Friday in Eden would promote fertility and prevent sudden death. It was also said that if your egg had two yolks in it, you would soon become rich. All of which is is interesting. Uh, But the only egg I care about are peanut butter eggs. Because, you know, if you think about it, peanut butter Easter eggs contain most of the major food groups. There's dairy because, of course, there's milk chocolate. And peanut butter is basically protein. And so you get got that covered. And... uh, Then, of course, the cocoa bean is a plant, and that's a vegetable. And so you've got it, got it all, all covered. Eventually, eggs became uh, part of a little hide-and-seek game we call the Easter egg hunt, which actually comes from Germany, some believe the 16th century, uh, started with Martin Luther, who would hide eggs, and the women of his church would go and find them, which is a nod to the story that we're going to read uh, this morning from the Gospel of Luke chapter 14, 24. Luke chapter 24, beginning in in verse 1, we read in the Gospel, on the first day of the week, Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, "'Why do you look for the living among the dead?' He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Three days prior to this story, 
The followers of Jesus Christ watched as all of their dreams came crashing down. Have you ever had a dream for your life that was shattered, leaving you broken and disappointed? As Jesus hung on the cross on a Friday afternoon, the vision of the disciples died with him. Their belief was shattered, their hope eradicated. When you read the accounts of the Gospels before Easter Sunday, there is no hint that any of them expected an actual resurrection. They were not just a bunch of gullible fishermen that took the resurrection as a given because they had watched Jesus die with their own eyes. So when the women arrived on Easter morning, they arrived to take care of a physical body. There were no funeral homes, and so burying the dead was uh, more important than, some say, than feeding the poor. It was an act of social charity. And these, these women had arrived at the tomb on Easter morning for one simple reason. They loved Jesus, and they wanted to honor him. I mean, that is the beginning of the Christian faith, love of Jesus. It's not about being right. It's not about having it all together, being perfect. It's love of Christ. And so the story in the Gospel of Luke begins with the obvious. Jesus is dead, and his followers have assumed that he remained dead. And the women arrived at the tomb because that is where they saw the body of Jesus placed. And so they bring the spices to anoint the body and show respect for the dead, as was first century custom. The discovery of the empty tomb, however, did not lead to an easy change in perspective. It brought more confusion than clarity because bodies that are dead presumably stay dead, and the best anyone can do is treat them with respect. But then they find an empty tomb and two men whose clothing were like lightning. And the scriptures say they were startled and surprised. I think I would use a stronger word. Because if you were to place yourself into the story, if I were to place myself into the story, standing there in that graveyard in front of that empty tomb, I think sometimes we become so familiar with the stories of the Gospels that they lose their shock and awe value. Imagine you're there with the women. There's just a few of you. It's early in the morning. No one else is around. The sun has just barely risen. And you find a tomb that's no longer sealed. And out of nowhere, two men, presumably angels, in dazzling clothing that look like lightning. I, I don't know what clothing that looks like lightning looks like. I, like I, I kind of think back to the Hunger Games when the, the Katniss's clothing was on fire. But I don't know, but I would have been more than startled. I would have been freaked out and scared probably running for my life. Just put yourself in the story for a moment. And then in their startled and surprised position, these two angels ask a question that I believe is just as relevant today as it was when it was spoken to the women gathered at the tomb. Why do you look for the living among the dead? 
These women had forgotten the words of Jesus because he talked about his death and resurrection multiple times. As humans, we have this unique ability to filter out those things we do not want to hear and do not want to be true. And none of them wanted the death of Jesus to be true. And yet how much of our own fear and doubt and anxiety happened because we, too, have forgotten the words of Jesus? How much of our striving, our distractions, our busyness, and our complaints over things that do not really matter are the result of forgetting the words of Jesus? Why do I keep looking for the living among the dead? Why do I keep looking for things that will never truly satisfy? Why do I keep returning to toxic relationships that continually disappoint? Why do so many of us look for substances to numb whatever it is that we're trying to numb? Why do we create these fantasy worlds in our head or even online? Why do we continually acquire things thinking that will make the difference and yet we are continually looking for the living among the dead? Looking for fulfillment in things that do not last. These women, they left the tomb with far more than they expected because they arrived with perplexity, but they left with clarity. I mean, they were perplexed. Where's the body? And then a couple of angels show up and everything becomes clear. And the scriptures say they remembered his words. They remembered the words of Jesus, the words and promises of their Lord come rushing back. And so I wonder, what is it that we walked in with today. What did we expect as we gathered here on Easter Sunday? Did we expect to simply hear the same old story? Did we come hoping, maybe sitting in the front row, believing that Mike would throw candy this year and I would finally get one of those magical Easter eggs? Maybe sing some songs. The horns were a nice touch. See some friends. I bet if we're honest, many of us just came with the expectation of the usual. That was the women's expectation. They had the burial spices because they expected the usual. They expected a body, and what they got was the unusual. A resurrection. And so my, my prayer is that you would leave here with a bit of the unusual, that in some way the resurrection of Jesus would touch your life, that you would hear the words of the angels. He is not here. He is alive. He's resurrected from the dead. I mean, in the Gospels, Jesus spoke of his resurrection multiple times, but it seemed as though no one was listening. I mean, do do you ever get frustrated when it seems like no one's listening to you? Parents, do you ever get frustrated when you feel like your kids are never listening to you? I mean, well, one of my own failures as a parent was I wasn't a very good listener. My kids would say something that I thought was irrelevant, or, and I would kind of cut them off. And my children would say, and they were about four, five, six years old, they would say, Daddy, you never let us finish our sentences. I wonder if Jesus got frustrated and said to his disciples, you never let me finish my sentences. I, I want to share with you something profound. 
Clearly the women and the disciples were no longer listening to the sentences of Jesus because they were so certain that when they arrived at the tomb they would see a body, yet the words of the angels challenged their certainty. I think sometimes we're so certain of our own certainties, we think we are so right about everything. Maybe Easter is a time to let the risen Lord challenge your certainties. Let him give you clarity because Jesus is who he claimed to be. See, the women arrived at the tomb in grief, but they left astounded and a bit uncomfortable. Verse 9 of Luke chapter 24, and so the women, including Mary from Magdala, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of John, returned from the tomb. They told what had happened to the followers of Jesus, but the followers didn't trust the women because their report sounded like nonsense. So they show up, the rest of the disciples are gathered. You're not going to believe this. He's risen, he's not there, he's gone. We've seen that there were angels. And the rest of them might have thought, well, it's, it's early, but have you been, ladies, been drinking? I mean, what, what, what do you mean? He's, what nonsense are you talking about? I suppose it was uncomfortable for them to share that message. Like, have you ever been uncomfortably astounded? I was uncomfortably astounded last summer. I was asked to be a part of a fundraiser for one of our ministry partners. And as a part of the fundraiser, if you raise like $1,000, then you have to repel off a 20-story building in downtown Milwaukee, which I did. Um, I raised it. And listen, I'm not afraid of heights. I'm really not. But I am afraid of falling. And... <laughs> That day, uh, there was lightning, and I am afraid of getting struck by lightning, but it cleared up, and this organization, uh, you kind of get strapped in, and then the first thing you do is, is lean off the side of the building so you can get a picture taken, and you're supposed to smile even if you don't want to. And I, I leaned off the side of the building, and I can promise you this, 20 stories looks different from the top than it does from the bottom. And I slowly started my rappel, and about a quarter of the way down, I just got real comfortable with being uncomfortable. These women that had to give this report had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I mean, the disciples thought they were crazy. They're talking nonsense. And yet eventually they all believed, and faith in the resurrection became one of those risky things for early Christians because people gossiped. Can you believe what those people believe? They think Jesus rose from the dead. They plotted against those who believe Jesus rose from the dead. The, the idea was so absurd and laughable that non-Christians thought that those who believed should be ridiculed, shunned, and even persecuted. And yet that did not stop the faithful from spreading a message that shocked and changed the entire world. See, the resurrection of Jesus causes a chain reaction resulting in the transformation of everything. These men and women who were weak in character all of a sudden found new strength and there was a radical change in a bunch of really feel fearful people. Many of the early followers of Jesus gave their life for what they believed to be true. I mean, who would die for a lie? Why do you look for the living among the dead? I want to frame that question in two statements. 
two very simple statements that I think are applicable to us this Easter Sunday morning. And the first is, stop chasing things that will never satisfy. I've spent so much energy, I've chased so many things, and then when I finally caught what I was chasing, I thought that this is it. So like I, we added to our family this year, uh, we have a six-month-old golden doodle. His name is Arlo. He's about 50 pounds, and he's a big boy. He's strong, and I, I take him on walks, and he's typically a good walker, except when a car goes by. When a car goes by, he pulls, and he wants to chase it, and I'm doing this, and I'm pulling him back. And, you know, I, 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 I talk to my dog sometimes, because dogs are good listeners, and when he's done pulling, I just want to pull. I just want to sit him down and say, "Arlo, what are you going to do when you catch the car?" <laughs> I mean, how many of us live our life like the dog that finally caught the car? Now what? I mean, how many times have I said, "Okay, now what?" I chased that thing, and it just—it wasn't what I thought. Now what? I want to return to the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. For in this world you will have trouble. In me you'll be satisfied. You will have peace from God. So stop chasing things that will never satisfy because in me you will find the longing, the deepest longing of your soul. And secondly, the second thing, there are some of us that need to hear this next thing. Maybe it's the only thing you need to hear. Because of Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Verse 33, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Easter is God's way of saying, it's going to be okay. No, no, Mike, but you don't understand, you don't, understand the news I received this week. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the mess I'm in. You don't understand. No, maybe I don't, but it's going to be okay. When Jesus said, in the world, we're going to have trouble. You ever had trouble? I've had trouble. I've experienced loss and suffering. In this world, I've had trouble, but it's okay. In the end, it's okay because he's risen He has overcome the world. Our eternity is secure and we can have peace in him that transcends whatever trouble finds us because it eventually does. So this this Resurrection Sunday, let's stop looking for the living among the dead for he has risen. Stop chasing things that will never satisfy and find peace in him. Because when I find my peace in him, everything's okay. I am eternally grateful, oh God, for what today is, what it means, what it represents. We celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, and so I ask you to meet us this morning in all of our doubts, all of our insecurities, our anxieties, all of our frustrations, all of our arrogance, all of our ignorance. Meet us in our certainties and our uncertainties and help us to find peace in you.
And we find satisfaction in a relationship with the one who is risen. Our eternity is secure. May we have peace in you.